It's Monday the 11th of October 2021. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. My guest this week is Beata Vaviania, the driving force behind Ruv Polski, our Polish language service. Welcome to you. Hello. Hi. Hi, everyone. Second time on the show. Yep. My pleasure. Um, This week we learned that there have been 10,000 small earthquakes in two weeks around Kalish on the Reykjanes Peninsula as the nearby volcano at Fagradalsfjall remains determinedly quiet. Um, It's all still up in the air in the politics world as well, as the National Electoral Commission issued parliamentary credentials for 63 MPs and 63 deputy MPs, but that decision is under review by a preparatory investigative committee of MPs who will work hard this week, starting right now in fact today, um, to make recommendations for the real investigative committee, which will eventually decide whether or not the Electoral Commission was right to issue parliamentary credentials in the first place. Confused? Uh, yeah, so is everyone else. Whatever happens there, though, the three governing parties are forging ahead with coalition talks and all the signs point to success there and that the same parties will carry on in their collaboration. But, never say never, until the rubber stamps and the signatures are put to paper. <laughs> There was also the explosive news that Birgir Thorarinsson has resigned from Mythflokkurin and joined Sjálfstæðisflokkurin. Now, for an MP to quit one party and join another is not unheard of, but it is pretty unique for this to happen right after an election and before Parliament has even sat for the first time. His reasons for the move apparently stem back to the Klöster scandal um, a couple of years ago, uh, which has prompted many to ask why he stood for the party this year at all. October started with very, very heavy rain that caused landslides and a spate of evacuations in North and East Iceland that are unwelcome reminders of last December's events, um, especially in Seydisvjörður. We also had to search all the way back to 1943 to find a September with fewer hours of sunshine in Reykjavík. Lovely. And finally, Dýrið, or Lamb, Uh, took over a million dollars in the USA this weekend and was the seventh biggest attraction at the nation's cinemas overall, making it the most successful Icelandic film to date at American cinemas. Where would you like to begin? It's hard to choose. Mm. Um, I like that that, uh, success of the Icelandic movie. Have you seen it yet? I haven't, no, have you? No, unfortunately, but uh, it it seems it's it's worth the the, the watch. At least IMDb is judging it to be 6.7. It's not too bad. Not too bad. And uh, the the people behind it seem to be um, worthy. Um, if to trust Americans, and the well, first they million, the they know the movie. Mm. And the first million that they man- managed to get in the first weekend, being it the highest then um, earning Icelandic movie in the history, must say something. Um, well, it, although it you know comes rather shy in comparison with 56 millions that the James Bond got just over that same weekend. Yeah, I bet. I mean, its it, its budget was at least 56 times smaller, I'm sure. <laughs> um, yeah, it's good. Good stuff, nonetheless. I mean, for such a small nation. Yeah. Um, although it had some, some help, it, it's not purely Icelandic, it's Swedish, and actually there's some Polish co-production. Um, there's another Polish... Um, element to it one of the actors um if i remember correctly if it was the the hilmir he actually uh also had some some um 
episode in the uh, in the series of uh, The Witcher. Oh, right. So uh, another Polish element in it. Um, yeah, I guess congratulations and keep it up. That good work, Icelandic yeah. cinematography. <laughs> Movie making, yeah. Um, now, you were pronouncing the name of the lead actress correctly. I, I wasn't. It's Nomi. Oh, yeah. I was, I, was, I was just consulting with Wikipedia. It's supposed to be Nomi Rapaz. Now, she's um, already famous. She's a, she's a name in Hollywood. Um, that no doubt helps. I, I bet. I can't say that I've seen her yet, but um, being might, Swedish you've actress... You've read the name before, though. I... Um, for the good image of myself, I'll say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recognise names or faces usually, but I saw that and I'm like, this is, this is two words I've seen together before. All right, all right. And, you know. and now we learn how to, how to pronounce it thanks to a, 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 a clip on Wikipedia. Again, please. Oh, a clip. No, again. Oh, the no. <laughs> Nomi Rapaz. Perfect. Let's Thank say you. that it was very Swedish or yeah. Swedish enough. Um, this film, because you started off by asking if I've seen it before, and I yeah. haven't. Um, it seems to me that films in Icelandic or Icelandic films, sorry, they sort of they build in speed, because before, in my case at least, I often find before they premiere, before people start going to see them. I've never heard of them. And then it's after they've been in the cinema a while and then the sort of the reputation spreads and people say, oh, that was really good. Mm-hmm. And it sort of builds and gets bigger. And that kind of... Is that something you've taken note of as well? Because it on sort of international blockbuster scheme, it seems like there's a lot it's of build-up to it and you know about it before it comes out. Definitely. I sometimes do seem to have that bit of a of a delay in um, in reaction um, also, it seems some of them are are shown later than than abroad. So I think mm. I, there were there were a couple of cases like that, which I find quite bizarre. Well, a lot of the time they like to premiere them at Cannes or at Berlin or right rather than festival. at home. I mean, mm. how cool, you know, there's not much, not many people to go to that to see the movie. So uh, you, you, I guess you have to start it abroad. Uh, but uh, to to um, to make sure that the confusion doesn't um, come up. The, that movie is shown in Iceland as Dirith, which is more like, like an animal rather than a, than a lamb. Mm. Yeah. So that's what we're going to see on the billboards here. Films like um, Woman at War, Corner Ferry Street, yeah. that's something that sort of fitted in that mould. It seemed to build like a snowball rolling down a hill. And it was sort of, I think it was nominated for the Oscar the year after it came out, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. But it did seem to sort of pick up its accolades and, and, and build momentum after it was released, certainly not before. Um, I guess if you want to succeed abroad, you have to adapt that foreign way of publi- publici- publishing. Publicizing or pub- <laughs> yeah. publishing. Um, and, and it just goes all, all differently here then, I guess, according to what you say. But... Good stuff, good stuff. Go and see. I, I, I'll hope I'll watch it along with a with a Polish movie that was uh, was premiering here on Riff. Ah. Or was now not premiering was the opening movie at Riff, Volka. So um, it's uh, made in Iceland, though it's in with Polish actors. So I'm very curious to see that. Myself. Absolutely, that sounds really interesting. <laughs> so if anyone was there, tell me how it was. And of course, Riff, Reykjavik International Film Festival, ended yesterday. 
Um, it ran for 10 days, 11 days. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Have you had sort of word, any feeling, feedback about how it went this year? It's usually quite a big success, isn't it? My private life is so somewhere else that I had, <laughs> <laughs> I had absolutely not a moment to even investigate or or, or talk to friends about it. So, um, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm a blank here. The big news for me, at least... The standout news from Riff was Debbie Harry, um, the lead singer from Blondie, that was here to. Oh, compl- yes, I've seen the the headline complaining that how is that possible? She has not been in Iceland yet. Yeah, I guess. Sure, yeah, she come back. Possible. She and... did a nice interview with Ruv um, in English, which mm-hmm. is worth watching if you've got a moment, and or if you're a big fan of Blondie. Um, but yeah, Riff, generally speaking, I think it's a wonderful event and it's sort of grown through the years oh yeah i mean it's so it's often you feel like you're missing on the foreign culture it's just kind of passing you by and here you go it it comes to your door and you can you have what 10 days to to get it all in Mm. and they've kept part of their pandemic uh response i suppose you could say by allowing the streaming of at least some of the films online so that yeah. It's kind of best of both worlds this year. It's really cool when you you can yeah exactly have it when you have a choice you can you can take either or. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Uh, let's move on. What what would you like to go to next? Oh, uh, the earthquakes <clears throat> maybe, huh? Yeah, this They're is pretty cool. Of course, interesting as always. <laughs> have you first of all have you felt any? Yes, I have felt some, not all of them. Um, I'm my impression is that in in this round I more hear them rather than feel really they have this kind of empty deep sound echoing sound to it so um it's kind of cool when you but when it prolongs and it's it takes more than two seconds i usually get goosebumps it's uh it it gives you a a certain fear probably some kind of a of a primal um effect there Mm. um so now I have not had heard, uh, not felt, nor heard the one last night. I was, I don't know. I guess uh, in Reykjanes Bayer you can't really, you feel them a bit less than in Reykjavik. Is I that f- true? I was going to ask that. Um, I thought it might have been more. To my impression, hmm. I mean, and it actually makes sense because they are saying that um, Grin people in Grindavik they feel them less, which is not so far away, but it must be on a bit of a different piece of the of the plate tectonic plate or something as um, as they mentioned that it's Vogar and Hapnafirde um, that feels it more this time mm. and um, I would I would um, I think I can confirm that because I have not felt any of them in Reykjanesbær but pretty clearly here in Reykjavik just and, for the record uh, I have not felt any of them at all yeah well, you were also away. So maybe. I was, yeah, but Although fif- it was this week, there was kind of quiet. So last week, it, it kind of come, come down. Um, it was almost a seven-day break since the last above three in magnitude. Um, but it's it's really, res- apparently, it's it's very much resembling what happened before in Fagradalsfjall or, or, or Geldingadalur mm. volcano, whichever name you prefer. Um but they can't really measure anything, as it seems to be too deep in there. There were a few more earthquakes around Iceland, Askia, some um, unusual uh, quake on the west of Iceland as well, in a, in a totally new system. Was it, That was on, on Snæfellsnes, no? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, there's some system that 
stretches all the way to Bivrost. And there was some some uh, some shake there too. So it's happening, people. Let's just wait. You know, we can take bets. Which one goes first? <laughs> well, I mean, something's always happening. That's, mm. If there weren't earthquakes, that would be very surprising. But the scientists can definitely pick out a pattern and they can say, well, this probably means this or that. Um, and in those two cases, like Askia and, and um, Kalid, Definitely something's going on, as you say. Definitely, and uh, but um, it was just in Fagradalsfjall. Peace, uh, news piece came up a few hours before the actual eruption saying, well, we're not expecting an eruption anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, it's, uh, I can't really, you can't see what it is, but uh, when you when you make that, um, that, um, Measurement of the of the wind by sticking up your finger into the air. That's more or less how well measured yeah. and predicted all those things are, um, as one year or ten years in the scale of of the Earth is is just the same. Not for us, um, but who cares? We're just here, tiny little people on that planet. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Um, the location of the existing volcano, which is technically still going but mm-hmm. hasn't been erupting for for a long time now it's yeah it's just just pitting kind of a of a mist of a, of a, of gases that create very lovely cloud over it mm. which makes me think it might be changing uh the local climate a bit i guess at least yeah i mean you can't declare it over until while it's still doing this um no. but that one was sort of widely considered to be in the perfect location it, yeah Far away from everyone, nice walk, you know? right? And kind of surrounded by by uh, higher mountains, hills, however you call them. So, so you could sort of more easily predict yeah. perhaps where the lava was going to go. Yeah. So there has to be some concern in in in, in the scientific communities about what might happen next because the new one, if we have a new one, yeah. will be closer to the capital probably. Yeah. It will be in a different landscape, um, but that's not to say it will be bigger or anything like that. So there's there's no need to panic. No, but uh, because it's just flat land all around, at least the epicenter as it is now, um, I would think that it, uh, or it, they say that it might endanger Vogar, which is it's in basically just straight line, also down the hill a bit. Um, in f- farther future, also Hapnaverder, as far as I remember. Mm. And most of all, aren't they worried about um, the power plant that's uh, in, in the vicinity? Svatsenki. Svatsenki, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they also said that we seem to be entering a new phase of activity that's going to last for 100 to 300 years. And this first eruption mm-hmm. has given them quite useful opportunity to experiment with building earth barriers and things like that that yeah. have offered some some real protection so. it, it it did um, i think when when i was here the first time we were talking about almost counting days on on one palm of your of your hand um to to when it crosses the the southern road and it's what three months later and it hasn't happened yet it just changed mm. they also built something Seemed to have helped. Volcano kind of quieted down, slowed down, mm-hmm. and uh, went other tunnels. So uh, 
it's just as successful as putting out tarot cards, I think. So, <laughs> anyone? Okay. <laughs> on that note, you're not wrong. On that note, um, <laughs> let's move on to another topic. Um, okay. We, I, I guess we're not going to escape from politics. Sorry. Um, so um, I'm very impressed by the by the guts that one of the politicians had. Um, I'm suspecting a very sneaky plan in there for him to to go off as a, as a leader of the Mitflokurin, so centre party, just to get in as to the parliament. Lead candidate as for South Iceland, candidate. yeah. I can't imagine he even if he joined the joined the uh, the other party, Sjálfstæðisflokkurinn, independent they would have given him any significant position so he would have secured himself a, a place in the parliament. So he did. Uh, less maybe honest. I, it's just purely my suspicion. Let's or, emphasize or, that. Or certainly a suspicion. Even or a suspicion. It, people are having these discussions. Um, to be fair, we should talk about his side of it as well. He says that... Um, five days before the election, the party Mithlokrin sent out an announcement or something that, saying that the organisation of the list in South Iceland was not good and that things weren't going well, which he took as a bit of a direct insult, as you would do. As a leader, I guess, yeah. And that polling and the eventual election revealed that there wasn't going to be a change in personnel, meaning that he would have to carry on working with people involved in the cloisters scandal a couple of years mm. ago and that you didn't want that because mm. communication was very difficult. Mm. Fair, valid mm. points, probably. But Definitely. they do ask the they do sort of ask the question, well, why didn't you pull out? You had a few years, really. Yeah. It's not like it happened just before summer and you mm. were really just kind of um, analysing what's the best move here. But yeah. three years, I, I would guess, is significant time enough to take a decision to make your choice, but um, it's isn't it British system that if you, it doesn't allow you to to change parties? I mean, if you want to, no, you can absolutely change. You parties, can try yeah. change parties, and you stay in the parliament. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But in that system, of course, you're elected as a person. Right. And then exactly. So that it doesn't quite matter from which party you you come. While in Iceland, you don't really vote on um, on people, on names. You vote on a party. There's lists of names without any numbers, even though given an order. And there's only a box at the top of that list for the name of the party. So you are voting for a party, and it's uh, it's kind of more uh, more disturbing when you when you leave from one to another. Well. At least he kind of stuck to to the side, similar side. Well, he didn't move to um, the pirates, or, yeah, or the greens. Yeah, um, but still not very noble. Potentially not. Yeah. Um, interesting, perhaps issue for Sjálfstæðisflokkurinn, this flockering because mm-hmm. they're the biggest party in parliament. They they don't need an extra MP. Frankly, no. <laughs> and he brings with him perhaps a set of challenges um, mm. because Mithlokurin is more conservative, you could probably say, in its mm. stances. And he is potentially, again, not putting my personal stamp on it, but could be seen as 
a particularly conservative element within that party. He certainly speaks from a very strongly religiously conservative point of view, right? Which will raise hackles among some other members of Sjöstedslokrin, I'm sure. And and I would think from the point of view of a of an elector, right? Am I using it right? I'm I'm electing no a voter. Voter, I suppose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I. I would be kind of surprised to to see, assuming that I would vote for Shelf Studies Folklorin, I would be kind of hesitant to see a, a rather um, conservative representative in there. Mm. Um, and on top of it, seems like he will join the the he, he he's joined the party that seemingly is going to um, create the the coalition, which will give it much more power. Mm. It's all. In a grey area, all allowed, but so is allowed that it's the um, parliament itself is going to vote whether he, it was select, elected um, legally, mm. which is a very interesting loop in the in the Icelandic constitution. Which and it always happens. Usually, it's just oh yeah, that was sure. good, yeah. done, we're, we're finished. Good. We'll yeah. we'll keep working. This year, not. But this year, not. Which moves us to another issue where. Um, all those commissions, pre-commissions, post-commissions, around commissions, God knows what, um, are sitting and discussing whether a voting in the Northwest region was legal or not. To remind you, it happened in the first voting that certain amount of uh, votes was were, were assigned to each of the parties, but because the votes were uh, very close to each other, there was a difference of about 10 votes some parties um, some some people um, asked for the for the votes to be recounted which gave completely different numbers and five uh, parliamentaries uh, has changed names yeah <laughs> seats were, were switched and uh, it turned out there is not quite according to the law that they were proceeding so the issue remains whether or not they should be uh, there should be a um, re-voting in that uh, district or there should just go as they are seem to be proceeding now with whoever was elected after the second count. And uh, those are received, those people received credentials and the commission is sitting now and trying to discuss if that was right. Mm. Am I right? I think so, yeah. <laughs> it's extremely complicated. And it's just my my favorite bit that it is the parliament itself. It's not even the old one. It's not... It's, it, it, but the new parliament is deciding whether they were um, elected properly and legally. Mm. It's, it takes some, some thought to come up with that um, that law, I think. The discrepancy didn't change the makeup of parliament in terms of the parties there it just the identity no. of some of the seats for those parties um, yeah, it's, due it's, to the it's due to that complication of of equalization e- votes yeah, exactly which are supposed to help mirror the the vote distribution in the whole country to the regions please no i can't <laughs> it's it's way too complicated. Nonetheless, it's been working here for quite a while. Iceland being the longest uh, democracy 
Yeah, I don't think ancient I'll think you had this, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They have some experience. Maybe we should trust them. I'm not sure. Well, no one's really saying that there was fraud at play necessarily or that the vote wasn't fair. Mm-mm. It doesn't seem at all likely that that was the case. But nevertheless, if the if the election laws weren't stuck to rigidly, yeah. it kind of, what's the word, gravundir, um erodes the foundation mm. of um, trust in the system. And uh, that's kind of the question they're answering. Absolutely. And then it, it always, to me, posed the questions, what would be if you never recount the votes? Would you, is this recounting showing a problem that doesn't exist or is it showing a problem that has been long existed? Yeah, because the recount was done on their own initiative. The the, the regional electoral yeah. committee from the northwest decided to do that without being asked to. Um, the, there were some votes, but it wasn't an obligatory um, yeah. step to take. So even that decision is up for debate. <laughs> And then everything that happened since then. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. If the parliamentary committee yeah. does decide against it, what then? Will we see the whole country voting again? I- um, as far as I read, it is just about that district, mm. especially that we have an example of a well-managed uh, voting and counting in the southern district. They have also recounted the votes there. And out of several thousand votes, uh, probably tens of thousands, um, they came to... Exactly to the one vote, same, same uh, results. So and and it was uh, done done even I think more than just to the law, followed following the letter of the law, because they even changed locks in the doors behind yeah. which the the ballots were kept. Yeah. So that's some example to follow, I guess. Yeah. This will roll on for the next four years in a certain way in in terms of the fact that four years from now you can bet your bottom dollar this won't happen again. You know, it kind of takes a, something to go wrong for mm. people to realise that because uh, I don't think people have even thought about this before. No, I mean, it's always been done like that. Um, why to change it? <laughs> yeah. Very interesting times there. Um, the coalition government... Looks yeah. set to carry on. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not a surprise. No, they promised. They they are trying to keep their promise. They promised that if before the they promised before the voting that if they they reach um, a majority, they will continue or they will start with the coalition uh, talks, and they seem to be keeping their promise. Uh, they've been sitting uh, together for a few days now. Um, they come out and say. No news is good news. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so we keep waiting. But, um, yeah, you know, they will have, if they manage to get that down, they will have a, a strong majority in the parliament, uh, especially now with an extra one extra uh, seat, as it seems. Um, yeah. People seem to have liked them since they voted for them, right? Yeah. So, well, another four years with a very unusual unusual makeup of uh, Independence Party and Green Left, but it worked. They managed to come to some agreements. So, you know, I guess keep fingers crossed. And you could argue during the most challenging of times, i.e. the pandemic, having that kind of broad leadership in charge was was probably a, a good thing, e- Def- even more than a, mm. a normal 
period of time. Definitely. You really need to, especially in times like that, you should really take into account all kinds of views and and, um, and ideas. Yes. Well, um, always loads to talk about on the weather front, but we have run out of time and we can't do it, unfortunately. <gasps> but we all know there was the least sun hours in this summer in Reykjavik yeah. and in September and all around Europe, it seems. Yeah. But not in North and East Iceland, no, who are making sure up for it now. They don't. We don't know them. We don't. It, it was just horrible. It was bad. And uh, yeah. yes. Well, they had all Fair the sunshine best. in the summer, but Fair they're best. making up for it now. Unfortunately, with lots Ooh. and lots of rain. Um, in fact, the evacuation order for parts of Sæðisfjörður is still in effect, and that will come to light this afternoon if people will be allowed home or not. Um, so fingers crossed for them. Yes. And a lot of birch tree seeds out there after the sunny summer. So go, people, go out and pick, pick Pl- the seeds <laughs> so that we can keep our forest growing. Great work. <laughs> Great advice there. Uh, the Week in Iceland will be back with you again next week, Monday the 18th of October on roof.as forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook through the Roof app and your favourite podcast platform. That just leaves me to thank my guest today, Beata Vavierna, and also Lydia Grietasdottir for running the studio. And also to wish the Icelandic men's national football team good luck this evening in their World Cup qualifier at home against Liechtenstein, uh, live on Roof TV from 10 past six. We finish today's show with a song to celebrate a beautiful, bright autumn day here in the capital region. This is Höst by Hjalmar. Bye for now. Thank you. Thank you.